listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today's episode is going to interview a client of Charles Roberts, who I've known for a couple of years, but now finally get to meet him in person in the studio. I've heard through Charles how this gentleman has built his rental portfolio. Uh, he partnered with his mom a number of years ago, bought a few rentals here in Denver, did well, then 1031 and traded those up to Steamboat Springs, started short-term rentals and started doing really, really well as now repositioning some of those properties. So it's gonna be a great story about how our guest has gotten into the game, how he's played the return on equity game and going to different markets for a variety of reasons. And also going to do a deep dive into his Airbnb duplex in Steamboat Springs, which I know a few people out there have talked about doing Airbnbs in the mountains for a while. So this guest is a wealth of information. Jake, glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Excited to be here. Yeah. So give everyone um, kind of fill us in the story because you have been investing, you started investing like six 20, years ago? 2014. Seven years ago, right? Yeah. Well, that investing in Denver in 2014. Okay. Yep. So just kind of give us the whole story because I know you've grown up in some hospitality uh, part yep. of the business. Just kind of give on your story and how, and then we can talk about your real estate investing career. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So growing up, uh, my folks owned a uh, bed and breakfast in Lake Tahoe, uh, had a really rough life, uh, grew up in, in the beautiful shores of Lake Tahoe at a bed and breakfast and uh, was a family business that we bought uh, when I was 10 years old, right before we were about to open. Uh, I was sitting there with my mom hanging pictures as my dad was entertaining our first guest downstairs because we weren't ready yet. Uh, so Definitely got me started early and uh, got me excited about hospitality, but also about real estate investing. Um, we got to live at a, a beautiful property there and uh, share it with uh, hundreds of thousands of guests over over uh, a number of years. Uh, when I graduated from college, I moved to Palm Springs and uh, my parents had just bought another property there. So I managed that. Uh, bed and breakfast that we own there, 10 rooms uh, for five years. Before. And this was like pre-Airbnb days? Pre, uh, Airbnb was just getting started. I actually listed our property on Airbnb in probably 2012. Okay. Uh, very early on in Airbnb's history. Uh, didn't get any hits off of it. Uh, it was just something I was experimenting with. But uh, yeah, probably if I had kept that username, I would have been been early on in, in their history. But uh, yeah, so lived in Palm Springs. I bought my first uh, rental property when I lived in Palm Springs and uh, then moved out here uh, chasing my wife. And uh, I found Denver to be a really exciting real estate market. It seemed like there was a ton of potential and it. it was going nowhere but up. So I bought uh, my first townhouse with the help of my mom. And uh, this was right after we sold both of our uh, ho our bed and breakfast properties. So my mom got a chunk of money, but it wasn't really enough for her to retire on. So we talked about it and I said, hey, why don't we pair up together? I'll do all the work, I'll do the property management and you put up some money initially. So the first property we bought was uh, on 17th Avenue in Lakewood. Uh, we purchased it for $180,000 in uh, 2014, uh, we leased it before we closed. Uh, lease was for $1,550 a month. 
And uh, we were able to bump that up about $100 a year each year after. And this was just a long-term rental? Just a long-term rental. Uh, we held it for three years. Uh, I was watching property values, realized that uh, it was worth over $300,000. So I put it on the market, uh, sold it uh, for $308,000 uh, three years later, uh, made a nice nice little profit on it. And we 1031 that into our first Airbnb property up in uh, Steamboat Springs. Uh, the the uh, investment that I did with Charles was actually a fourplex. So this was in between buying the uh, townhouse and purchasing our first place up in Steamboat Springs. But uh, he found a fourplex uh, that uh, we both saw a lot of potential in uh, for two bed, one bath units in um, uh, right around Alameda and Colfax. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we did a lot of work on it and uh, it was way more work than we expected, but uh, it turned out to be great. And uh, we ended up selling that one uh, about six months after we sold the uh, one on 17th Avenue, and we bought our second Airbnb property up in Steamboat Springs. So we we transitioned from long-term rentals into the short-term rentals up in Steamboat Springs. And the reason we, we went into Steamboat Springs was I was evaluating all the other mountain communities, and we just realized you got so much more bang for your buck in Steamboat. So uh, we targeted those. And on along the same lines with that was most people buy a condo or maybe if they have a lot of money, they're buying a single family home if they're looking to do a short-term rental. Um, I was looking at all the prices and I'm saying, okay, I can buy a th you know two-bedroom condo for 300,000. Um, I could buy a three-bedroom house for 800,000, or I could buy uh, three units for 650,000. You know, it's like, well, yeah, I'm gonna go for the multifamily. Wow, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go for the multifamily and and I'm gonna put the work in and and uh, make it look nice. And so it's been a a real area of success for us and something that I think a lot of people were overlooking at the time, the fact that you could buy a duplex and turn it into a short term. And what model. year was this when you we, did these 1031s? We, we bought the the first property up in Steamboat in uh November of 17 and we bought the second property in July of 18. Okay. So Four, okay, four or five years ago. And before we move on to the, uh, I'm gonna go into diving the details on this duplex and steamboat because there's a yeah. yeah, great story and also some great numbers. Yeah. I did a horrible introduction. This is Jake Cohen. I forgot to mention your name, so I Sorry. apologize on there. That's all right. And also, <laughs> Eric Mias is on the podcast as well. We got talking this story, Eric. No offense That's to all you, right. <laughs> So I wanna loop Eric in here because as you guys are doing, as you're doing your steamboat springs, yep. kind of got two things going on here. Uh, Eric came on as your project manager, helped out with some properties, and also you guys are now in the process of also taking all the knowledge you've accumulated from these properties, these short-term rentals, and then creating a course to help people self-manage short-term rentals as well. So we'll talk more about that later, but Eric, yes, better late than never. Welcome, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here with you guys. And I think recording our podcast earlier threw me off. I know. So I, I apologize, man. I'm a in the so room my now. mind, I already introduced you, but <laughs> second time for the day. Um, so I appreciate it, guys. So, all right. So, Jake, you uh, 1031 this money and you bought which money went to the duplex? Was it the, the condo yeah. or was it the fourplex? 
the the townhouse went to the, the duplex. Okay. Um. Yep. So, uh, I mean, the cool part about this is, uh, I think our down payment on that townhouse, one hundred and eighty thousand dollars, just off the top of my head, I'm going to say it was somewhere like forty thousand dollars that we put down on that property, and um, when we cashed out, I think our ten thirty one exchange um was something like a hundred and ten thousand dollars um so that was enough for our down payment on uh, a duplex in steamboat springs we bought that for four hundred and seventy four thousand dollars we got a fifteen thousand dollar credit at closing um the property was in pretty rough shape it needed pretty much everything um and it it had some foundation issues it, it there were a number of things during our inspection we said okay these are really bad we already knew we were going to do a full cosmetic remodel of it. Um, but once we got into it, we ended up spending almost $240,000 on the renovation and furnishing the property. And if I was going to do it again, I think I could get that down <laughs> to about maybe uh, 150, maybe, maybe a little less than that. Um, being that it was our first short-term rental property, we really weren't sure what people wanted. So I was doing quartz countertops. I was, uh, you know, putting in all the all the fancy things. Um, you paid for for education, right? I paid for my education. That's a great way yeah. great way to put it. You know, I got the fancy linens. I did all all the things that I thought you needed to do for a short-term rental. Not thinking through the the end goal here uh, of, of where we were going to end up, but. Uh, I love paying for my education because you learn so much better when you pay for it. And that and that's great attitude. So let's I want to pull up the spreadsheet now. Yep. And just so the audience knows, Jake can prepare with some numbers. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna pick his brain on short-term rentals because this is an area that I know very little about, but I know myself and other people just have lots of questions about mountain markets and short-term rentals. Cause I imagine uh you probably been up there a couple times yourself to enjoy Steamboat Springs. Is that that's that's a big side benefit. Assumption. Yeah, big side benefit. Uh, my wife really wasn't very interested in real estate investing until uh, I said, hey, maybe we should buy a place in one of the mountain communities. And suddenly my wife was really interested in real estate investing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we we go up probably every two months or so um, and we get to enjoy our properties. And uh, that's something that we do without really spending any money uh we do pay pay the cleaning fee um but uh as long as you do some sort of work or have a meeting while you're up there you can write off that cleaning fee yep. as well so really awesome so yeah let's run through the spreadsheet all right so i got the spreadsheet pulled up um so listeners will talk the numbers you can always watch us on youtube and the blog post so you you said that bought the place for 470 474 474 and then what was your financing like? Did you uh, we were a 25% down. Okay. Yep. And it was a, a traditional financing at the time. I think we were at five and an eighth. Five, one. Yep. Perfect. And then what would you say, like just ballpark your acquisition, just closing costs and all the general fees? You know, uh, I think we ended up rolling almost all of that in um, because, <laughs> sorry, pen drop there. Uh, like to play with things with my hands here. Um, I think we pretty much rolled that all in. So I got another one. I'm good. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
I didn't well, need it. Well, I would have got it. You got to have your fidgeter. I'm a fidgeter too, so I get it. Um, um, all right. So you rolled in there, but you still, I mean, what, 8,000 bucks yeah, is let's, a good yeah, ballpark? Yeah, sure, sure. I just, that we can kind of calculate numbers on here. Yeah. Now, I know you said there were some issues on the property, and there was the expected issues and some unexpected things from reading a great blog post you put together. Yep. You got some seller credits. Like, what, what did you get? Uh, we got $15,000 seller credit. Uh, the main reason for that was uh, we got a bid and we got a structural engineering report uh, from from an engineer in the area. Um, the bid was to put in helical piers along the backside of the property. It's on a steep slope and the backside of the property was bowing. The the. Mm the second floor um, was bowing significantly. So uh, the reason for that was snow buildup and it basically just went right into that second floor. So when we purchased the property, we realized this needed a significant repair. Uh, I got a quote and I think the quote was something like $10,000 plus X number of dollars per feet that they have to dig down uh, for these helical piers. Of course, it was the maximum number of feet that they they had to dig down. So it turned out to be, I think, a twenty-five or twenty-seven thousand dollar repair, and I got fifteen for it. So not horrible. Um, so let's talk about the um, the repair. So actually, let me rephrase that. So when you bought the property, how much adjustment in, in repair cost? How much did I yeah, estimate? You, yeah, how much did you estimate versus route? Because I know there's some some difference on here. Uh, I think my estimate was in the range of eighty thousand dollars. All right, so I'm gonna put that in here for initial repair costs. <laughs> yes. uh, Good learning. Good learning, guys. <laughs> Five and eight in interest rate. <laughs> now let's talk about the rental income. Mm -hmm. What? Um, I don't know if you want to talk numbers now or numbers back then. I guess numbers there, now is probably what you have, right? Yeah, and no, I have I have them all. Okay. Um, the honestly, the the rental numbers. My first year, uh, 2018, uh, we started renting uh, towards the end of January, and our total income for that year was $80,760. Okay. Um, so it, it, our, our income in 2020, which was a COVID year, was $82,000. So our, our best year was uh, about $90,000 on the property for, okay. for our income. So over the years, not a huge increase in income. Not a, not a huge increase. Um, I, you know, honestly, in 2020, I think we probably would have hit 100,000 if we kept it for the whole year. Um, just looking at the initial numbers for 2021, we did uh, 40, over $40,000 in the first three months of, wow. of uh, 2021. But you guys got shut down for a few months up there, right? in in 2020 yeah, yeah we did so um but yeah so and th this is for two units so we had a two bedroom one bath up and a one bed one bath down um so you know it's uh the income looks great but obviously there's a lot of expenses that come out as well cleaning fees and uh management and all that so it takes takes a little more than uh just your general rental yeah, let's it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put vacancy at zero percent since this is your actual income. It's yep. already factored in there. Yep. Property management. You self manage this, right? Correct. Yeah. So, so yeah, I self self manage everything. And to be honest, uh, after the learning curve of figuring out that there's software that can send automated emails and there's a pricing program that can price everything automatically for me and factor in when things are up and when things are down. Um, now I probably only spend 
an hour or two a week on each property that I own um, because everything's set up. It just runs smoothly. The only time I really have to do anything is if someone asks a question that's different than something I normally already put in the information or if there's an issue with the property, the guest gets there and there's not not enough towels or something like that, I have to send a quick text message to my cleaner and they go over and take care. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, repair initial repair costs aside, what do you what do you budget for general repairs and maintenance for you zero that out and you and how you have numbers out there? Because I know uh, with Airbnbs, you know, I've heard stories, you know, you, you go through three frying frying pans a year and like there's different things you budget for. And and it, it really depends how you one, how you market the property and two, how you outfit the property. Okay. So if you market the property to people who are partiers and there's going to be 15 people staying in a place that should house four people, you're going to go through a lot of stuff. It's going to be a disaster. Uh, the way we market our properties is, you know, this is a two bedroom. We accommodate four people, two people in each room. So you're not we're not advertising to the bachelor parties. We're not advertising for a bachelor party. Um, you know, the people that stay with us, it's either a couple, two couples, a couple with a couple kids, you know, it's, it's not anything that's going to put any more wear and tear on the property than if, it, if I was long-term renting it. Um, and we tried to buy all really quality products. So, uh, instead of buying the cheapest set of frying pans I could buy, uh, I went ahead and bought the one that I have at my house because it's lasted me for 10 years. And I said, well, if it lasted me for 10 years, they'll probably get five at least at the, at the rental property. And, uh, I've gone back and forth on a lot of these things. So that's part of, part of me and Eric, as far as what we've been doing is we've been experimenting. I have five units in Steamboat. I have one unit in Denver. Every one of them, we bought different items. <laughs> because we were trying to figure out which frying pan set was the best, uh, you know, which sheets were the best, all of those things. So that's been a big part of this process, thinking about over the long term, what is the best thing to do? So overall, we don't replace a ton of stuff. Most of the time, if something does get ruined, a guest will come to us. Hey, my dog chewed on your coffee table. I'm so sorry. Can I replace it? Sure. I bought it on Amazon, 120 bucks. They send me 120 bucks. I get a new coffee table. It's all good. Um, so it's very rare that I'm coming out of pocket for, you know, we only owned this property for three years. So there wasn't a ton of stuff that we had to buy. Um, okay. But general for maintenance, I'd say 5% is totally reasonable. Okay. I think that's the right, right number. Do you have an HOA? No HOA. No HOA. And then what about your just other like operating expenses, tax, things like taxes? Yeah. So let's see, what do we have? So this is numbers from 2021 or sorry, from 2020, uh, our taxes were $1,792 insurance insurance should have circled the things you were going to ask me insurance. There it is. Uh, 2819. So we, we get a special insurance um, that covers both the property and a and it's a business liability policy. The reason for that is we want to be covered if there's loss of use. We want to be covered if someone hurts themselves on our mm -hmm. property. Um, if you're interested in short-term rentals, this is probably the number one thing you have to do to protect yourself. Get a really good insurance policy. You don't want to be caught saving 500 bucks and then get a million dollar uh you know 
lawsuit on your hands. So spend the extra 500,000 bucks, whatever it costs and, and get a good policy. Yes. I will second that. <laughs> what about utilities? Let's see here. Utility total for that year was 6,797. All right. So that's for water, sewer, trash, electric, gas. Elect- electric, garbage, gas, phone, internet, TV, water. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, 7,000 bucks, that seems less than I expected. Well, and honestly, it's a small property. It's a, okay. It's 1,400 square feet. Uh, between the two units. So it's it's not a huge property, 600 square feet on the bottom, 800 square feet on the top. Um, it, you know, it's pretty efficient property overall. We have gas log fireplaces in both units and and we have electric uh, baseboard heaters. Um, between the two there, you know, we put in all new electric baseboard heaters when we uh, improve the property. We put in brand new uh, best fireplaces we could find when we when we bought the property. So these are things that we were thinking ahead about thinking we're going to own this for the next 30 years. We might as well do the best, you know, um, obviously it didn't turn out that way, but that's okay. Well, we'll come back to that in a couple (laughs) minutes. So, so any other expenses on this property or is this, uh, yeah. So the, the other biggest expense that we have is cleaning fees, um, cleaning and maintenance. Um, so we have a great company up there, uh, Kim's home services. If you're looking for someone in steamboat, uh, really, really great, uh, husband and wife team. Uh, we spent $12,580 on cleaning and insurance or cleaning and maintenance. When you say maintenance, what does that mean? Uh, it, just basic general maintenance. So, uh, Jerry is Kim's husband and, uh, he takes care of all the little things on the property. If something needs touch up painting, if, uh, you know, uh, the toilet's not working properly. He's got to replace a valve on it, something like that. Uh, you know, putting a new sink faucet on something oh, okay. like that. Um, he's, he's very handy. Does, does a lot of good work for me. Um, but in general, we, we tried to do everything that we thought could be a problem initially when we bought the property. So there really hasn't been a whole lot of that on this property. Um, if I look down at other expenses here, um, steamboat Springs, we get a lot of, a lot of snow. So snow removal is, is a pretty big one for us. Um, we, we categorize it as landscaping and snow removal. So we, we had $2,500 in landscaping and snow removal, uh, appliance repairs, 300 bucks, uh, repairs, maintenance, other, which is someone else that I had to hire in, uh, was $1,300. That should be captured in our 5% reserves up here. I would say. Correct. You're right. More of a more cat. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And we, we haven't had any big CapEx type stuff in the three years that we own the property, because like I said, we pretty much, we replaced all plumbing, all electrical, uh, redid the floors, new appliances, new cabinets, new everything, pretty much everything. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So before we go back and update with the correct initial down payment, I mean, you're looking at about $26,000 a year in cash flow, according to the spreadsheet. Is that pretty close to your? Pretty close. We did. So th- this was our, our 2020 numbers, which was a little down, but we did $29,000 in profit. Okay. Yeah. So we're close enough here for definitely for drinking and podcast yeah. math. Oh yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, twenty six thousand dollars a year is phenomenal cash flow. Now, oh, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's come back and talk about this initial repair cost because <laughs> you estimate all in you'll be about for 
twenty or two hundred thousand dollars all in between down payment and this repair cost. Yes, I know for a fact that your initial repair costs were quite a bit north of here, just a little bit. What happened there? Uh, well, I think part of it was inexperience, uh, not knowing what I should know, and part of it was me trying to make this the the best place in Steamboat. And the reality is, it's a small duplex. It's a mile from the mountain. It's never going to compete with the properties on the mountain that cost you know, a thousand dollars a night to rent. So, um, I wasn't quite thinking through exactly who my guest is. And if I had, I probably could have saved myself, you know, $50,000 right off the bat Mm. by realizing that this is, I'm catering to guys like me, you know, uh, at the time I was, uh, what, 31 years old. Uh, I have a wife and, uh, we just want to come up and ski. We want to have a nice place, but we're not, we're not going to spend a thousand dollars a night. You know, we're probably going to spend 150, 200 bucks a night, something like that. And, uh, that's really been our ballpark. That's been the the right market for us. Um, so we did some things, right. We bought a lot of our furnishings at Ikea and, uh, didn't spend a huge amount of money on some of those things, but I probably spent six or $8,000 on linens because I wanted it to be really nice linens and, yeah, I could have saved some money there, you know, things, things like that. Um, so what was the actual like total all in repair cost in that, you know, yeah, so year one ish time frame or whatever you had budgeted? Yeah. So we, we tried to push this really fast. So we bought this property. Um, I think we closed 11 4 of 17. Okay. And my goal was to have it ready by Christmas. Uh, so a month, a month and a half, give or take. Uh, was what so my aggressive timeline. Yeah. And, and I was going to do helical piers, uh, redo all electrical, all plumbing, uh, complete cosmetic remodel and, uh, you know, double, double layer of drywall on the ceilings, new flooring, uh, all new appliances, all new kitchen, everything. And it was crazy. What, what was I thinking? I had a contractor that said he could do it. So I said, no problem. We got this. Um, and my, my goal was, okay, Christmas week, Christmas to new year's, I'm going to make $10,000. So I need to be ready for Christmas to new year's. Uh, I think we were actually ready about January 15th. Um, which is still a great timeline. Great turnaround. Yeah. Great turnaround for what I, for what we did. Um, but it cost me $240,000. Um, and that was renovations and, furnishings, you know, everything that the house needed. Um, but obviously that was three times what we initially budgeted. So, uh, it, this was a situation where, uh, I went into it and I said, okay, I've got a little extra set aside. We've got enough. And, uh, I had to go to my mom who was investing in this property and say, I need another hundred thousand dollars. And, uh, we had set aside enough to have, I think we had about 150 set aside just in case things went really crazy wrong and I needed to get another $100,000 from her. So hard conversation to have. Uh, my mom was my investor in this project and uh, I felt like I let her down by by getting to that number. That being said, we could see the light at the end of the tunnel and we realized this was gonna be a really great place. Um, based on the projections that I got from property managers, we were gonna do about $5,000 a month in rental income. 
And at the time I thought that was incredible. Um, we ended up doing way more than that and, and just crushing the numbers that, that the property managers had estimated for me. So in the end it worked out. Um, you know, the, the big thing I would say is if you're buying a property that you need to do huge renovations on, be really familiar with the renovations, uh, be up there all the time. And that's actually why I hired Eric on the next renovation that I did was because uh, I'm a busy guy. I have a life. Uh, I have a wife. I have two kids. And I realized that um, me being up there all the time was impossible. So on the second on the second property I bought, which uh, is a seven bed, four bath, uh, almost three times the size of this property, we spent uh, just over half of this budget to do basically the same kind of a yeah. <laughs> of a remodel and uh, and furnishing of the property. And I think a big reason for that was we had eyes on it all the time. So we switched off. I would go up one week. Eric would go up the next week and we made sure that everything was lining up. If anything was getting delayed, we were on it immediately. If a delivery from Home Depot didn't show up, we called Home Depot that day. Um, those little things, keeping on top of them, can mean thousands and thousands of dollars to your body. Oh, they add up a lot. Yeah. So you stepped in, Eric, and, and project managed this next one. Yeah, we, we were able to tag team. And I think that, to Jake's point, we were able to you know do every other week. So a lot can happen in two weeks. And if it was just Jake trying to do it all himself, I think it would have probably taken quite a bit longer. So, Definitely. Um, yeah. So that was, you know, really cool to be able to get that experience, tearing stuff down to, you know, pretty much to the sub four and going up from there. Yeah. yeah. And so a couple of good points to, you know, cause the numbers here, the story, um, you know, it, it's great so far, but two things for people to keep in mind that, uh, you know, Jake handled was, you know, budgets, budget innovations way out of his scope. And we all talk about keeping reserves, but I mean, keeping an extra $150,000 in reserves, I mean, most people don't have it. So really know those numbers and luckily you're able to figure it out and make it happen. But if you couldn't, that could put you in a bad spot. We might be telling a different story right now. Correct. Um, <laughs> That's very true. But the other thing is too, like you, you're phenomenal at like you're, you're systematizing and that, you know, he's got four pages in front of him with notes, three are, I think, P and L's he's got in front of him. So he's, he's very organized and you can tell Hey, bought the next property, looped an Eric on here as you said, Hey, here's what went right. Here's what went wrong. I learned from it. I documented it. And here's how we are improving as an organization. And that right there is, it's easy to do or easy to say, but it's hard to do the moment where you track things, really spend the time. Hey, great. Before I go to the next property, what am I thinking about here? So those are great things that, that you have done. And I think other people should definitely model after that as well, Jake. Definitely. I, I agree with you. And I, uh, the, the only thing I can reiterate is, as organized as you think you are, uh, things are going to go wrong. Uh, I mean, I had a Gantt chart for how this project was going to go. I had everything organized down to the day and, you know, I had reviewed it with the contractor and the subcontractors and we had meetings and it doesn't matter. You know, I've done renovations before I did a big renovation on the fourplex I did down here. Uh, it doesn't matter. You know, things are going to go wrong. Um, I highly recommend having that extra money and, um, have a backup plan to your backup plan. Big, big backup plans to backup plans for sure. Can you talk about that more? Like, how do you like this? How do you plan for a $150,000 curveball? I, I mean, honestly, I don't think you can plan for it properly, but just realize if you're buying a property, especially in a really high cost of living area like Steamboat Springs, um, 
realize that the numbers that you're using down in Denver, Denver's only two and a half hours away. I thought there's no way that costs could be that different between Denver and Steamboat Springs. But the reality is every subcontract costs double what I thought they were going to cost. Um, I had, you know, I had all this stuff in spreadsheets and I was like, okay, uh, the bathroom remodel is going to be $5,000. Well, when I finally got the numbers back, it was 10 or $12,000. Um, and these are things that one of the biggest mistakes I made on this, this project is I hired a, um, a general contractor that I didn't know and he didn't do a bad job. He, I mean, he did this whole project in two months, uh, he got all of the things accomplished that we asked him to get accomplished, but he had no concept of see if you can get a cheaper product, uh, you know, see if you can find someone that can do it for a little less. And probably the biggest reason for that was because I was pushing him so hard on we have to be done by Christmas. So you're going for speed. I was going for speed. Yeah, you, you pay for speed. I paid for speed. And, uh, you know, maybe if I had took a step back and realized, hey, if I take a couple more months on this, I might be able to save $50,000 by getting a couple more bids. Um, so those are things that you have to think about. Uh, speed's important, but also realize the scope of the project that you're getting yourself into. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great learning experience for me. And uh, every every project that I've done since then has gone immensely more smoothly because of the problems that I had on this, this project. And, uh, you know, those pro th those problems weren't horrible. They were money and they were time. And those are things that you can fix, but I know I'm, I'm buying a duplex right now in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I have no contacts in Gulf Shores. I don't, you know, I have a real estate agent out there. I've been calling around. I've been getting, getting in touch with people, but the reality is I don't have a good idea of what things are going to cost out there. So, what am I doing? I'm calling everyone. I'm getting two, three, four bids on everything. I'm trying to set myself up for success, but I'm also looking at what if things go wrong? And so we've done things like get a HELOC on another property to make sure we have a little extra money just in case things don't go, go right. Because the worst case scenario is you get to, you can see the end of this project. It's two weeks, it's a month away and you run out of money and now you have a property that could be earning you 10, 15, $20,000 a month if you could just finish it, but you don't have enough money to pay the guys. That's horrible. You're in a bad spot there. You're going to sell your property for, you know, a lot less than you should. Um, and, and you're going to put yourself in a bad spot. So do anything you can to have that backup. And I think whether it's your parents, it's a HELOC, it's a, um, investor that you have kind of sitting on the sidelines. Hey, I may need $50,000 just in case. Um, anything you can do to have that backup plan is really important. That's great advice. And this place you're buying in Alabama, this is because you're 1031 out of this duplex. Is this what you're buying the proceeds from? Is this the trade up game you're playing? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. So that's the other part of the story is right now, if you're talking about this duplex, you're in the, yeah, I mean, you're in the yeah. process of selling or have sold it, right? Yes, it uh, it closed a few days ago. Well, congratulations! So, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. Real curious though. Okay, so from so you bought for four seventy four. Yeah, dumped in two forty. What'd you sell it for? Can you share? Yeah, uh, eight hundred and seventy seven thousand eight hundred. Wow! So you had some 
probably great appreciation also just was that more appreciation of property improvement I think or it was, do you know i i think that uh we way over improved the property to be honest um like i said i think i think we could have done this for probably half of what we did if we did it the right way um and would have sold for about the same price probably, it would have right? sold for the same price yep. yeah okay. exactly so um when i finished this project i had kind of a a mental note with myself i said hey if things go really well at some point and you see the market take off, this may be a good property to unload because you spent too much on this property. You know, this this is a 1,400 square foot duplex that's a mile from the base area. It's not, it's never going to be worth, you know, it's never going to do way more rentals than it's already doing, I guess, yep. was the, the, the big, the big key that I came up with was I said, you know, maybe someday I could hit a hundred thousand dollars in rentals, but we're already doing 90, you know, uh, it's never going to hit 150, never going to hit 200,000. So in my head, I said, okay, if anything ever, ever goes crazy and you see an opportunity, it's a good time to unload. And, uh, what just happened in Steamboat Springs, which happened through most of the country, I believe, um, is People are going crazy for houses right now. They want space. They want, uh, you know, family time. They want, uh, obviously, we just went through COVID. So anything you can do to have a property that is really great for you, um, it's a good time to buy. Um, and the reality is it turned into a great time to sell yep. um, because there's just been appreciation over appreciation and, you uh, this property in about October of 2020, if you're looking at, um, if I made my best estimate of what this place was worth, probably would have said high 600s. And we just sold it in um, May of 2021, six months later, for $200,000 more than that. So uh, that's the kind of appreciation we saw in six months. And that's a good time to you take the money off the table and you exactly. find it somewhere else. Exactly. So, Eric, you did the project management, not for this property, but another unit up there. Yeah. Give us some insight into, you know, what you saw, what you learned, because it's a, you know, great hands-on experience. And honestly, you had kind of a case today to compare it to. Like, what was it from your perspective? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, to Jake's point about it, the mountain community not being the same as a metropolitan area, it's things kind of run at a different speed. Things take way longer. Some things won't be able to get delivered. So you have to just plan that much more and really put yourself in a position of giving yourself that time for, all right, I got to arrange for delivery from a supplier in Denver. Well, they're going to charge me, you know, a couple hundred bucks to deliver to Steamboat. Okay. Well, that makes sense to do that versus paying 25% more at the lumber yard here mm. in Steamboat. So, you know, Jake and I went back and forth and that was a big thing that I did was a lot of that research of, Okay, where what makes the most sense overall? Not just like what's the cheapest product, but what's going to get us on the keep us on schedule and get us you know the best value at the end of the at the end of the day. And kind of you know we mentioned this earlier that you guys are in the process. Actually, I think you know, as this morning of this recording, you launch a new website, and it really documents what you guys have learned over the last four or five years running short term rentals, rehabbing, running them, all that, and you put into an online course. Yes. So let's talk about that because I think it's it's great, great knowledge you guys have. And, you know, you guys are definitely, you know, your 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 investors, operators first, not a guru out there selling a product. So it's very interesting. Like, hey, you spent 
you know, years doing this, and I know the research, and I see the spreadsheets you guys have put together, like there's legitimate data in here. So, so tell me this is formed and what the plans are with it. Yeah, well, uh, I'll start off, and then I'll yeah. I'll hand off to Eric. But uh, we we started doing um, webinars about two years ago, I think. Yeah, uh, we we said, you know, it was really hard figuring this stuff out, and and there wasn't good documentation out there. We didn't know which furniture to buy. We didn't know which software, uh, you know, trying 10 softwares when you're buying a property and trying to renovate it is crazy. You don't have time for that. So what we came up with was let's, let's do these webinars. We're going to teach people how to do this. So we ran through, uh, what I would call a full season of webinars. So we basically, uh, put all of our, all of our knowledge into a season of, of what, what we could do. So, uh, you know, we started with, okay, how do you renovate or how do you find a property that you want to buy? How do you renovate? How do you furnish? Uh, from there, how do you go to uh, which softwares you're going to use? How do you create the best listing on Airbnb? Um, so we went through all of that and we had, we had about 20 people in each webinar. And for us, we were like, wow, that, you know, getting pretty good traction. We didn't advertise. It was just through meetup uh, and, and, we felt like, okay, we're, we're getting some traction here. This is great where people are interested in our information. And from there, um, I had my second child, uh, Eric started a new job and we said, uh, you know, let's take six months, let's put all this on hold. And at the end of the six months, we said, what, what's the realistic, what can we really do? And so we came up with creating a, a video and other information type course, um, where people can see me teaching them how to do all these things. And then the documentation next to that of, you know, here's the actual email I send out to people when they check into the property, here's the, uh, software that I use, and this is how I set it up. And so we we've created an online course where people can walk step-by-step step through Stage one, I have no idea what I'm doing to, you know, stage 10, I'm a super host, uh, on Airbnb and, uh, you know, I'm dominating the world. So, uh, Eric's been, I I've been doing the videos, uh, so you'll see my face a lot. Uh, unfortunately, Eric's face looks a lot prettier <laughs> than mine, but, uh, I'm the one with, with that information for you, but Eric's been doing all the back end and, uh, doing an incredible job making the website and, uh, getting everything to work properly, which I don't understand in the slightest. So Eric, thank you for doing all that back end work. Oh, you're welcome, Jake. And thank you for spending all the time on the different softwares to know what works best. So, um, so I think to echo Jake, you know, this is something we spent a lot of time and energy on, uh, Jake obviously have multiple properties and it's not something that most people have the time to, or inclination to research mm -hmm. and start from <clears throat> ground zero. So that's what our, you know, our main goal with this is to help people get started and really be set themselves up for success and save the headache and the time that it took us to get to that point. So, you know, we're putting this out there as a free online course, you know, we want to get people started in the short-term rental space. And, um, you know, we feel confident that the knowledge that we've got can be really helpful for others getting started. I think one thing that, um, is a little different than most of the other courses you're going to see out there. Um, 
I get advertisements all the time. You know, uh, I made a million dollars on Airbnb. You know, I, I manage a, a thousand properties on Airbnb. This isn't for people who want to manage a thousand properties. Yeah. It's not for people who want to make a million dollars. It's for uh, a local investor that maybe has a duplex and wants to try Airbnb. It's for someone who has some extra space in their basement and they're thinking about adding a door so that they could create an Airbnb rental. Uh, it's for someone who wants to have uh, a beach house on the coast or uh, a mountain property, and they wanna actually earn some money from it. Uh, the crazy thing about short-term rentals is property management costs are usually 20 to 45%. So the reality is if you buy that condo that you wanna go stay in two, three, four times a year in the mountains, you're not gonna make any money off of it. Uh, if you're paying a property manager 20 to 45%. If you can spend an hour or two a week and do it yourself, you might earn $20,000 a year. Um, and in our opinion, it from for my life, it's changed my life. Um, I'm in a place now where um, I have a legitimate business and uh, it's something that likely will retire me from my real, you know, my, my normal job, which is as a, as a firefighter, um, in the next five to 10 years, um, because I will be able to use the money that we initially invested in these two properties in Denver to create this, uh, short-term rental, uh, little empire that I'm creating. And, uh, it will be enough for my family to live on, uh, you know, into the future, which is really exciting. That's, that's great. Um, and I want to definitely promote your guys. What is the website? Stepbystepbnb.com. All right. So stepbystepbnb.com. We'll also put on show notes, show notes, the links in the show notes. And I know you guys are running a promo right now with Airbnb. If I am saying this correctly, where is a, a course, since you are an ambassador with Airbnb, Jake, you're able to give the course away for free to, I think, the first number of people that come register. How's that working? Yep, yep. So uh, I've, I've become an Airbnb ambassador. And what that is, is someone who helps people become hosts on Airbnb. So um, the cool thing about being an Airbnb ambassador is I can see your progress as you're going through setting up your listing. And it allows me to help you create the best listing possible. Um, as part of this, um, Airbnb is rewarding me by creating this course. Um, they're paying the course fee essentially for this. Um, and you can sign up for our course for free. Uh, you use our link on Airbnb and um, you will get all of the great information that we've put out there. And uh, the great thing is I will review your listing before it goes live on Airbnb. I'll make sure your photos look great. I'll make sure that your listing uh, is, is as good as it possibly can be. And uh, you'll be successful from day one, which is uh, something that gives you a real leg up getting into this industry. Great. Guys, this has been very insightful. I love your story, Jacob, about how you partnered you know, with your mother, you start investing and you've just, you know, you, you went from market to market to market based off of trends, rebuilding equity, also balancing, you know, you and your family's wants and personal needs. And I think the course, if you guys have any interest in doing Airbnb, definitely check out the course they have. I've known Eric for a number of years. I've known Jake, some emails, but through Charles Roberts, who I uh, respect immensely. So both of them are great guys. They are data-driven. They're in the weeds themselves doing it. So I definitely say if you're interested, check out the course. <laughs>
So guys, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? No, just thanks so much for having us on. It was a lot of fun to be here. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Chris.